This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast today. One of our most popular guests is Mike Larkin. Dr. Mike Larkin knows a lot about fish. He's been on the podcast to talk about bonefish, tarpon, jacks, and then we did another podcast with him where he was going through a process of buying his own boat, buying a used boat, and he had a lot of questions about that. Um, And that was also a very popular podcast. Today, we're having Mike back because I like fish, we all like fish. And Mike knows a lot about weird things that some fish do. That's the topic of this conversation today. Weird things that fish do, interesting things that fish do. Some you might have known, some you might not have known. I hope you're going to enjoy this conversation with Dr. Mike Larkin as well. Here we go. This is Mike Larkin, and this is the Tom Rowland Podcast. Dr. Mike Larkin. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mike, what's up, man? How are you? Good, Tom. Good to see you, too. Yeah, I well, I enjoyed uh, visiting with you at ICAST. We came up with some good ideas, including the uh, the topic of today's podcast, which is weird things that fish do, fun fun facts about fish, strange phenomenon. You know, you know all of these things. I would say I know all of them, but a couple. But I also thought about a couple comments on your um some questions you asked me last time. Yeah. Should I bring that up too, or should I bring sure. that at the end? But first, so, okay. but first, oh, let's oh. go with let's go with the one minute hot seat. We're gonna try to make it all the way through these all these questions, and uh, they're they're simple questions, usually either or, and it's just the first thing that comes to your mind. It's a good way to good way to loosen up um, and get, let the audience get to know you a little bit better, and. Um, and also, First we might thing find. That comes to my mind. Yeah, okay. we okay. might find out something interesting about you that we didn't know before. Okay, are you ready? Sure. Okay, here we go. Inshore or offshore? Inshore. Rock country or other? Rock. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Sunset or sunrise? Sunset. Text or calls? Definitely call. One thing you're afraid of? Millennials. Not scorpions. <laughs> scorpions. I'm also afraid of millennials, but scorpions. <laughs> Winter Olympics or summer Olympics? Summer Olympics. Fiction or nonfiction books? Fiction. Audiobook, paper, or Kindle? Paper. Last book you remember reading? Uh, Changing the Game by John O'Sullivan. Nice. Office, Friends, or Parks and Rec? Office. Uh, which technological gadget do you rely on the most in your daily life? Uh, I'm guessing my computer, which I'm looking at right now. I use that probably every day. Okay. Uh, if you could have one superpower permanently, what would it be? 
Breathe underwater. <laughs> What's a hidden talent or skill that you might have that people might not know about? Um, breathe breathe underwater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I wish I could breathe underwater. <laughs> Name a movie that always makes you laugh. Uh, Dumb and Dumber. Plain coffee, <laughs> plain black coffee or fancy coffee drink? Neither, I drink water. Okay, cat or dog? Dog, definitely. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Dinner. Dessert, actually, but I'll go with dinner. <laughs> All right, lifetime best catch? Uh, watching my son catch a 26-pound permit. Right on. Okay, well, we made it. We made we went way, way down the list. All right, those are good answers. So your son catching a 26-pound permit, where did that happen? That was off of, uh, with my friend Captain Bobby Gibson off of Miami, right off, right by uh, Stiltsville in Biscayne Bay. Nice, and how old was your son? He was eight at the time. Man, Stiltsville. And, I hadn't been back yeah, there in yeah, a long yeah. time. How are those houses yeah. holding up these days? Uh, I don't know. I'm going, by, I'm going by there tomorrow, actually. I'll let you know. I think there's still a couple of them over there. But um, it was great to see him get. And I thought he was going to, he was, because he was starting to hold the rod. I kept grabbing the rod at the base, like, you okay? You okay? Because if he drops that rod, it's gone. The yeah. fish and the rod are gone. So, but yeah, yeah, still still a big, big 26 on permit. Nice. So, that That's awesome. What? How cool would it have been to be, be uh, you know, offered a, a, a spot at Stiltsville and been able to go out there and build a house out there back in the day when all that went yeah. on? Yeah, That's yeah. so and cool. I talked to some of the people. They've been because one time I got caught in a storm. I went under it, and it was a boat there, and it was one of the owners. I said, "You mind if I come here?" And they were. Yeah, I was really friendly at the A-frame flat, and anyway, I just found them like, "Hey, there's a lightning coming. Can I hang out here?" Just I won't. I won't get inside or anything. Like, but yeah, those people. I, I was surprised how friendly he was. Let me tie up the boat underneath, and yes, yeah, so I was like, "You got a great location here." You know? Yeah, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> there's a, there's some places like that in Texas too. I actually have a. I actually have a, a book over here from this other from this other fellow, uh, Mike Medrano, and he did a whole book about stilt houses in Texas, and they have a lot of those uh, over there. And I have this whole coffee table book, and it looks oh, cool, cool. looks very similar to to our Stiltsville, but it's in Texas. All along the coast, they have uh, things like that. It's really a cool book uh, if anybody's interested in those kind of. Those kind of things. It's uh, he, he's a cool guy and uh, really did this beautiful book with um, incredible photography and everything. It's it's really cool. Um, so weird things that fish do. Yeah, I guys first I want to bring up a topic. Last time I think we talked, you asked me about manatee eating flesh. Yes, eating, eating like fillets. And I was like, and I was like, I don't know, Tom. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, sure enough, since then I went to a conference and I sat next to a manatee biologist. So I put him aside a break. I'm like, have you ever heard of a mantis eating like a fish fillet? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I guess they've seen in the keys. They've actually found fish meat or, you know, in, in the stomach of mantis. Yeah. So it's not like it's not like a primary, um, not a big part of their diet. But he's like, yeah, for some reason, and they have video of it and they found fish meat in the, in the bellies of mantis. So for some reason they do eat, he doesn't know why. Maybe there's something they like about it, some type of nutrient they get from it. But there are, it's very rare, but mantis do eat the, the the dead carcasses because you yeah. asked me about that and I didn't know what you're talking right. about but it, well, but it's true it's true they've seen it a bunch you know yeah, I've seen yeah, it a bunch yeah. in Key West and the first time I thought I was like am I seeing things like you know that seems yeah, really yeah, weird yeah. but now I, I see it more and more and more and and I see it on people's Instagrams Nick Stanzik or somebody will throw a swordfish skin in the water and a manatee will come right over there and just start chewing on it. Um, so I want to, I guess some flesh flies from Alaska. Maybe I'll throw yeah. that in from a manatee next well, time I see I one. Well, I mean, if you do it at the right place, I'm sure you could hook up at the fillet table. I'm not sure so that you would true. want it's that. So it's true. It's not BS. You got me on the spot when you asked me that, but I looked into it and, and 
uh, it was FWC antibiotics. He's like, oh yeah. Okay, so the next thing we need to find out is what's going on with the triple tail and those red spots on the side of the triple tail. I think oh. I'll ask you about that too. I'll work on that one for the next podcast. Yeah, it must so. be. It must. It's got to be a spawning behavior. I think that's doing it. But they look sunburned, like oh. you know when you you can even see them like like a long way away. You can see a black fish out there with a red spot on it from oh, a long okay. way away, and then they all had it. But it's not like, you know, I thought maybe they're rubbing up against the buoys and stuff like that, but it doesn't look like that when you get close to them. It, it looks like, I don't know, something's been rubbing up against them, but not something rough, and it's all in the same area. Um, but I don't know. I've asked a bunch of people about that, including scientists, and nobody knows. Yeah, I mean, I know. There's a lot oh, of theories, like bro science, like what I throw out there, <laughs> you know, but nothing, nobody, nobody like you has come forward with a real answer. Um, but anyway, I can get into the, the fish. Just some just some fun facts about fish, especially here in Florida. Um, so I always like to start off. So um, a quick story. When I was in um, at uh, University of Miami, I took this ichthyology class. This guy, Professor Bob Cowan, and in the very first class, you come in. This is this see my age. He's got a like a chalkboard, right? He writes on the chalkboard, "What is a fish?" And then you know, like people, oh, what's a fish? Just describe what is a fish. And, you know, some people jump up, like, um, one in person from me asks, oh, they live in water. Then he goes, no, they don't. African lungfish can live months without water, hmm. without being in water. And then someone else jumps up, like, oh, it's an animal that has scales. He's like, no, there's some eels that don't have scales. And I remember I asked, um, if they have a backbone. He's like, well, hagfish don't have a true backbone. They can tie themselves in knots. But I guess the, the point that the professor was making was that they're so diverse that they've really – there's really no clear description of what is a fish because you, you say something and there's an example where they break it. So, um, in fact, there's over 30,000 species of fish. It's the most diverse group of animals on the planet. Wow. So that's what I think it was a really neat uh, introduction to show how diverse they are. And some fish can even generate electricity. So either for to keep predators away or for prey. or So it just amazed me how diverse fish are which is definitely my favorite animal probably yours too and a lot of people that are listening to yeah to this group so very, are there any very, others i didn't know there were others others that could other be your animals? favorite yeah, that should be a that should be a, a question on the list favorite animal yeah and if, it's, if they say no then just hang up on them if they say it's <laughs> not if they, they give like cat or something like that but anyway but um but anyway so so i was going to talk about um some fish in florida that i think are really interesting so i guess first of all you know different from us um, a lot of fish can change sex. So about 2% of those 30,000 different species of fish are hermaphrodites. And it, it, it's really kind of, some of them are even, are even um, male and female at the same time. So how many? That sounded like a, a lot, a wide, big number. What did you say? Yeah, about, about 2%. So oh, 2%, 2%. Okay. of, of 30,000 are hermaphrodites. Okay. So most of them are not hermaphrodites. So, and it's crazy because some of them, um, for example, like snook, um, they're born males, then when they get older, they turn into females. And then there's like grouper that are born females. And when they go over, they turn to males. And then there's some deep water fish that are male and female at the same time. Hmm. And the, re the reason that deep water fish is that, you know, you're that deep water fish. You may run into another fish of the same species once in your life. So this is it. This is your only chance to reproduce. So you don't want to run into that other chance to make, oh, we're both male. Oh, uh, we can. Oh, we're both female. What fish so anyway, would that be? What are these deep water fish? Can you name a couple? Yeah, yeah. No, actually, I'm, I'm flaking out now with the actual name of it, but it's like, I don't think it's the anglerfish. It's some other 
Maybe it is the anglerfish. But anyway, I forget what the name of the species is, but I remember reading about it. It was really interesting that they're male and female at the same time. So when you run in that one other species, that one other spe- same fish or the same species of you, that one time in your life, you can reproduce. Wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> other than that, you may not get another chance. That's it. That's it. So, um, but anyway, the... Um, so I was going to talk about so snook are interesting because I talked about, you know, they're, they're born males, they switch to females. To all snook are born male. Yeah. And yeah. then at what age or size or... I think it's or, like three to four years old. I think like, um, I think it's like maybe like 20 inches. Okay. Um, in uh, fork length, roughly about... But anyway, they'll, they'll convert over to, um, on the average, they'll convert over to females. So and it, it gives a big advantage because females, you know, the, the bigger the female... Um, the bigger the you know the, the cavity, the more eggs they can produce. So it, it, it increases your reproductive potential. So it makes sense to me to have the big ones female because males. I mean, sperm is not very space limited. Like you can not to get too gross here, but you can you can generate a lot of sperm in a small area. Mm-hmm. You know, whereas whereas females are thinking like marbles, right? I mean, you you can only fit so many marbles in a cup. Right. But if you have a bigger cup, you can fit even more marbles. If you have a bucket, you're fitting more marbles. So you can generate more marbles, marbles being the eggs in this case. You can generate more eggs, increase your reproductive potential. Um, where I think um, grouper, the change is more, um, you know, they, they start off as um, females in terms of males. Those fish tend to have a, um, a behavioral component, meaning um, defending territories or defend against the other males. So in that case, they want to be the um, the bigger species. I'm sorry, the bigger, the sex, the male will be the bigger one of the sexes just to defend the other males. And then I was going to go into, um, to give you a bit like hogfish example. Hogfish are um, born as females, hmm. but they turn into males. And, if I, and, it, and you can even tell, hogfish is great. You can tell when you're, when you're scuba diving, we're snorkeling, whatever. You can tell if it's a male or female. So if you don't mind, Tom, if you want me to try to share my screen, yeah. I got some pictures here. Yeah, let's do it. You can yeah, see that's it. cool, yeah. So so what I'm showing you here is here's a male over here, which has the you know the big longer snout, the uh-huh. dark mask on the head, the dark fins. So the males are, are are obvious. The females, you can see it does not have the long snout, the the mask is not all you know, the dark mask on the on the head there. So um so you can actually tell. But what's interesting about, about hogfish is they have a harem. Hmm. So they'll you go to like for example you go to a patch reef, there'll be one male on that patch reef, and there could be ten to fifteen females. So if another male comes by, he will the male will fight him off. So he's like that's his, his harem. That's his, those are his ladies. But you think about it, like if you're going spear fishing on a patch reef, what are you most likely going to shoot? Right, hmm. the biggest fish on the patch reef, right. the biggest hogfish, which is the male. Right, so so a lot of times, um, so what happens, which is interesting, within a week or less, if you shoot the, you, which happens a lot, you go to a patch reef, you shoot the male, the male is removed, then the next most dominant female will convert over to become the next male. What? So, really? How long yeah, would that yeah, take? It, it takes. Uh, they've seen evidence in the gonads within within forty eight hours. Within so forty eight hours. Within, it'll start. It'll start. But I think it takes. Takes a week, couple of weeks for the full transition, but it'll start converting. Like if something happens, like um, you know, the females are like, "Oh, there's no male around here," you know. Up, oh, oh. so the next most dominant female will turn into male. Wow. But the problem is, you, you end up getting these smaller and smaller males. 
Because, you know, you're the, the big male, okay, you go to a patch reef, you shoot him, he's gone. The next most dominant female, which is also probably a little bit smaller than the, than the male, then she converts, then you shoot her. And then the next most dominant, so you kind of like go down the line. So what they're fun, in fact, I think it was like four years ago, the regulations for hogfish changed dramatically. Yeah, they did. Because we're seeing like 11-inch males, which we'd never seen before. You know, we've never seen males that small before. Males should be 18 or plus, bigger. So they end up, you know, you're getting sick with with these, um, the, the maximum, I think it's like 18 inches now, the, um, the minimum size limit. But the reason for that is to give these chance for these males to, to these bigger males. And then you have these bigger males, you get bigger females. So instead of this shrinking down of these smaller and smaller males. So. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't know that about the hogfish that they would, that the, if you shot the male, that a, a female, the most dominant female would turn into the male. I always yeah. just assumed another yeah. male came in. Yeah, no, most likely, yeah, because they're usually on a patch reef, right? But they're isolated, right? Mm -hmm. So then, then, then that female will convert over, and then if she gets shot, so it's just really, really interesting. But um, because and also like like, you know, the the male's the one getting shot, right? He's a bigger mm -hmm. one, you know. Yeah. Like he's the one that's most likely to be above the size limit, you know. So, but that's interesting about you know the hogfish. Then I was gonna go on to um. Bluehead wrasse. Hopefully you can see my screen yeah, there. I got it. Yeah, you know, bluehead wrasse. So this one I find fascinating. So instead of so here's the male on the left. Okay, the bluehead. And I think most fishermen don't even know about bluehead wrasse because they're not they're not people don't fish for them. They're not used as bait. Um, you've probably seen them, right? Like a, you know, if you're snorkeling. If you're not a diver yeah. or a snorkeler, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Like a bluehead wrasse. You know, but they're they're beautiful fish on the reef. So they don't, here's a male on the left. Here's a female. The male on the left is that you got the big blue head. The females are the yellow ones over here in the right. Mm -hmm. So, um, so the male, what he'll do is he'll, they'll be, and they spawn every single day, which is interesting. Every, every day. Every single day. Every day. Wow. They spawn. I think it's like midday. There's like a, um, there's a certain site that they'll all spawn in. They'll go, you know, do their feeding, whatever. There's a certain time of day. They all aggregate and they all spawn. So he doesn't have a harem. What he does is that male protects that spawning site. So if any other males come into that spawning site during spawning, he will he'll fight them off. So that's his site. These are his ladies. Hmm. So what I find fascinating, though, is that what they found when they started dissecting these, these bluehead wrasse, some of those females that he's spawning with are males. So meaning they're, they're, they're yellow. I call it dude looks like a lady. <laughs> so anyway, it's like... Um, it's, it has, it has a yellow face, the characteristics of a female, but it's a male. It's like a, they call it a sneaker. Like, so when they go to spawn, because look, if I'm a male and I turn into that blue head wrasse, I'm going to have to fight this other guy. Right. But instead, if I, if I turn into a male, but I don't change my colors, I look like a female, that male can go and sneak in that spawning site. He didn't, he can spawn. He didn't have to fight off the big blue male. The blue, big blue head wrasse don't even know there's a male there. Huh. So it's just, I find it fascinating that they, so they'll spawn in there. Those those males that look like females are, are mixed in there. And they're spawning with the females without having to spend all the energy of defending the site, the wow. spawning site. So. And will they ever change or they just stay that way? I think they stay that way unless the male um, dies or gets removed. Uh -huh. And then they'll 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 fight, they'll convert, and then, you know, two will fight or whatever. Maybe one of them will switch right away. Interesting. But, I, I did, but yeah, I, I thought that was um, clever, you know, the dude looks like a lady. <laughs> and um, 
So, and then there are other stuff I find interesting about, um, I was going to go back to my, um, stop sharing my screen there, if I can, if I knew how to do that. Um, but there we go. But the, um, just, and then some other stuff is stuff, are interesting things are stuff we've already talked about, but like, like bonefish, um, the bonefish tongue, some interesting thing I found about, especially, uh, you know, being here in Florida, you know, they have, they have teeth in their tongue yeah. that they crushed uh, the food with their tongue. Cause I think uh, we, we went in there with um, the bonefish podcast, but just the fact that, you know, like, uh, and true story, when I first caught my first bonefish, I was like, Trying to like, uh, uh, t- I mean, if this thing eats crabs, he could crush my finger like that. So I was really kind of immature, like immature and just like really or insecure, I guess, about removing the hook from a bonefish. Then I realized later on, it's, it's not the jaw. The jaw is just a trap. Yeah. So they'll suck it in and they'll crush it with their with their tongue. And in the roof of mouth, they have teeth. So if you ever see a bonefish tongue, it's covered with teeth. So it's not it's not the jaw at all. Suck it in, trap it, and crush it. So um, permit too, course, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I haven't actually looked at that. I've caught some, but I've heard that, yeah, I think same exact thing. Yeah, use the crushers there. And and even tarpon now have teeth in their tongue, but they have a stiff tongue too, and some some um plates on top of their mouth too, so they'll crush it as well. So and then um and then the um, you know, the the, the tarpon air breathing is what I always find, you know. Yeah, for sure. We, what do you call that? Is there a term for that? The fish I, that do that? I, I don't think there's like a scientific term for rolling. Well, it right? seems like it seems like there would be because there's other fish that do it: goldfish and carp and tarpon yeah, 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 and, yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. gar. Will yeah. will kind of do that. And um, I don't know. I'm sure there's. I think arapaima yeah. do it. Um, but it seems like that would be a class of fish that you know breathe air. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen a, it's a, I just, even literature, I've seen it called rolling, mm. which they're probably stealing from the guides. But you're <laughs> right, if I looked at the air primer, the older, other fish, there's probably some more scientific description, description of that. So, but. Um, it's interesting, I think, that the tarpon does that all its life. And um, it seems like a, a, a mechanism to where they could live in very stagnant water when they were very small where other fish couldn't live and, and they would be protected, you know, from predators there. Plus they could also eat, uh, insect larvae like mosquito larvae and, and other, other aquatic insects when they're really small. And, yeah. and but yeah, it yeah, seems yeah, like yeah. they would maybe grow out of that, but they don't, they keep it their whole life and probably yeah, yeah, use yeah. it, you know, because like when it's calm, you see a lot more tarpon roll and then, it, then when it's windy. And I've always just assumed that that's because there's more oxygen in the water. Um, yeah, I, I I totally agree. Yeah, because the uh, to, I guess sort of the um, recap the stuff we talked about in a previous podcast. But yeah, the reason why they roll is yeah, low oxygen levels is one, and then to uh, adjust the buoyancy, so you actually see them like they'll actually burp out of their perculum, and then um, if oh they swallow too much, okay, too much they'll burp it, or imitation. I want to know how um, they'll imitate each other and how. Um, there was a really cool yeah. experiment where they used a spatula to mimic a tarpon, and the tarpon would, would do the same thing if it if it uh, came up and down the same angle that tarpon did. Um, but it's really neat to say they put them in different tanks because they want to know was it the lateral line that tells them the roll? Well, it's it's not because it's it's all visual. So when they see the tarpon next to them roll, there's like a seventy percent chance they'll roll too. But um, and then you know not that you want to um gut a, a tarpon, but if you ever do have one, you know, sharked, whatever, they're they're you know you look at a swim bladder of like a like a red grouper or um a snapper, it's like a balloon. It's just a white 
balloon, but the swim body of a tarpid, it really looks like a human lung. Like it's got really? like the the alveoli. Like it looks. If you ever see it, and um, and we talked about also before that um, that webbing that they have. If you ever see the the gut of a tarpon, um, I've seen this in marlin too. Fish that jump. They have like the webbing around their internal organs. So when they're jumping, I think it's like they have to because or else when they're jumping, you know, their their organs will be slashed all over the place. But huh. instead they have a webbing to keep it contained and keep it secure. Wow. So that, that webbing really jumps out of me. And then the, the lung is like, this is different, right? This looks like it looks like a human lung. Wow. You know, the, the tissue inside there. Do you it's see not a, um, a other other fish that jump, like a largemouth bass is a jumper? Does that have that same webbing or is that a saltwater thing? That's a good question. I've never, I've actually never gutted a largemouth bass, so that's a good question. I definitely see it in marlin. Marlin have it. Um, I would think bass. I don't know. It seems like I don't even know if snook have it. I got to pay closer what about attention. A kingfish. No, nobody jumps higher than a kingfish. Yeah, yeah. But I wonder if it's also like, like you know, like they, they like tarpon jump consistently. Like they'll jump several times. Whereas. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, kingfish will jump like once, right? Or they're, they're trying to strike the bait and then they go straight up. Where it seems like like tarpon and marlin and sailfish, they go nuts, right? Mm-hmm. They jump. They, mm-hmm. they can jump several times during a fight. Whereas I've never, I haven't seen it in king kingfish, king mackerel or, or bass. I wonder if it's more um, popular in, you know, the fish that do frequent jumps. Like I'd like to like a ladyfish. I bet you they would have it, mm. the webbing. I know marlin do and sailfish. And tarpon. What's the do you is there a name for that webbing? Um there probably is, I don't know. Probably is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know what it I just call it webbing, you know, that, that material there. Yeah. It's just interesting because you know, like we we had a tarpon dinosaur and you fly it's flaying it and you're like, oh, this is different. And then also they have these um arteries because we had to fly a bunch, we're doing satellite tagging, like like yeah, I, I tagged one for practice and it was bleeding. Like, what? Why is this fish bleeding so much? And I, we we filleted it. We practiced it at our um, the hatchery at University of Miami, and then they have a, they, they only have uh, these extra arteries to deliver that oxygen from the swim bladder to the other throughout the body that other hmm. fish don't have. So if you, um, I actually have a um, a picture right here. I mean, it's kind of gory, but just to show you, um, here, let me share my screen again. Um, um, just to show you what I'm talking about. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Share screen. Entire screen. Are you seeing my screen now? Yep. So I'm kind of blowing this up to make it big. But oh, you yeah, see, I got the arrow. Like, see these arteries here? Yeah. So I haven't seen that in any other fish. Like I fly a snapper. I'm, there, there probably are. I just haven't fully that many fish. But anyway, you can see like these big arteries. Because it was interesting because it kind of guides you. Like So like when we're putting satellite tags in tarpon, you do not want to hit one of these. It's going to bleed like you wouldn't believe. So, you know, but like first time I saw I'm like, why is this thing? Because I, w- I was tagging it up here. I'm like, why is this thing bleeding so much? And then like, oh, you know, when you, so we took some samples and took some fish and fleeted them. Um, but anyway, so where do you, where like, would you put the tag? Uh, right where's here, the safer spot to put it? Yeah, right here. It's funny how it kind of like curves up by the fin. Uh-huh. So we would always target like right underneath the dorsal fin, right where I have the mouse okay. of the computer right there. Because you go up here, risky. Down here, risky. So it was just kind of like, um, and I, I am seeing that in our fish. There probably is some I don't know about. But anyway, I am seeing that in that is, those big arteries here deliver that oxygen. So, hmm. Wow. 
And then the you can see the gut there. Can you see that webbing that you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, a little bit. It, it, I probably tore it up when I was looking at it, but um, a little bit. But, um, but yeah, if you ever like it, like, I mean, if you ever go to the, like, I, I've seen it in, in Mexico. They were catching marlin and they were, they were killing them. And I was watching them flying, and that's when I saw the, um, the 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 gutting and, and sailfish too. Mm. So if you're ever there, you'll if you look at the gut contents, you'll be like, it just it's all tied together there. So like a giant super thick spider web is co- controlling all the organs, but it is hard to see in this um kind of gory, pitchy here. So this is a little guy. This is probably like a little twenty four incher hmm. got back in Miami, but uh. Yeah, that was a time just trying to go through those those interesting things. I mean, it's probably you're, more. You were you know, talking about other spawning behavior. Did you have any other other spawning um, things that are strange about fish? Just you know, a lot of it is um, you know becoming big aggregations, spawning. Um, uh, Sounds say strange. Oh yeah, like like um. So we put satellite tags on tarpon, right? And um and you know. It has a depth sensor on the tag. And we're watching it start first occurred off of Mexico, and then we found it off of Florida. But like, so you have a depth, you get the tag back, you get the data. So it's going, you know, they're near shore. We tagged them like 20 feet of water. Then they go offshore and they go 300 feet down. 300 feet. So, 300 feet. 300 feet. So we always joke like, maybe we should use a heavier fly line. Anyway, but anyway, <laughs> you know, they're 300 feet down. But, and then years ago, um, Bonefish, the guys in Bahamas, put these tags inside bonefish that also had a depth sensor. And same thing, when they're going offshore, they make their, that 300, you know, 200, 300 feet, that super deep, deep dive, like a, like a cliff down there. Wow. So now why they're doing it, I don't, I don't know 100% sure, but maybe they shoot down there, it's spawning, it's, it's a way to avoid predation, or there's gotta be a reason. I'm kind of speculating as to why, but, but it's just interesting that we first found that with tarpon, and then you look at the data they get from bonefish, and it's the same exact curve. It's like they go offshore, and then zoom, they drop huh. right down to deep. But normally out there for like a day, maybe two days. So it's not like they're down there very long. Wow. Then they come back and go back inshore. So so, it's just interesting the the behavior that you think of like bonefish and even tarpon. You think of shallow water, but you know they're out going offshore to these super these deep what do, dives. What, what do we know about water. the permit um, spawn? Yeah, I'm not as familiar with that as I probably should be, but I think there's there's some spawn up um off that Key West that um that marine reserve off off Key West. Yeah. But I haven't seen any depth data where they make those deep dives there. I think they're just doing it. Um, no, actually, let me let me still come back to me. In the Dr. Tugas, we did see some spawning as well, but it was just basically on um an 80 foot reef above the reef, from what I've seen. So it wasn't anything like um a big aggregation. It was a big aggression, but it wasn't anything like that deep diving like we saw with the um, with the bonefish and the tarpon, and and also like you know tarpon are quite different, right? They're a jack. Yeah. Whereas you know and they have a whereas bonefish and tarpon have that unique leptocephalus, like that eel looking like larvae. Yeah. Now so bonefish and and tarpon are related somewhat. Is the that, eels. Is that correct? Yeah, they're they're yeah. both yeah. eel like. In their yeah. larva stage or whatever. In fact, that's really why I think they grouped them that way, in my opinion, because they, the eels have the leptocephalus larvae, and so do the ladyfish and tarpon and bonefish. So that's why they're um, they're grouped that, that that together. So yeah, you can see you could argue that a, a tarpon is more or closely related to um, an eel than is a than it is to a permit, hmm. or it is to um, or even some of the other bait fish that they look similar to. 
But I, all, I think the real reason for that classification is that that larval, that leptocephalus larval stage. It's interesting. They have. And they, the, you know, like you mentioned, the bait fish that they look similar to, there are like different herrings and other things that they, they look just like those, um, you know, for the most part, are very similar. And those, no relation. Correct, right. correct. And I've looked at that, like, there's like, they're not that far. Like, there's like, they have a, like these, this line and then these branches. Mm-hmm. So I remember like those copians are not, they're not far, but the eels are, um, are closer to in, in that branch than you would say, than, than the copians and those, those bait fish you're talking about. Hmm. So I think, and I wonder if it's more, um, what's called convergent, um, evolution, like meaning, um, it's not like they, they started with the same ancestor and then they branch. Instead, like they started with different ancestors and they just happen to, because of the environment they're in, come together and they look similar because of there's some advantage to having the, the fins there, that body form or something like that. Hmm. So it's more like instead of like one ancestor like this, I think it's more of an example of convergent evolution. Gotcha. They, they you know together. what I was just thinking about is like the, the, the different fish that are born male or female. And then we've kind of, like you, you said, it's because they, you know, they need to fight off pred- predators or all, all these different things. Do we know that, or is it kind of like that's what makes the most sense to us? Like, I think what makes the most sense. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, real reason. We, there's a lot of things that we 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 speculate on, and uh, oh, this is why. But I mean, um, I wouldn't be surprised if you know, ten years from now, we find something completely different. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you, you kind of, you know, collect your data and your evidence, and this is what I think is most likely. But I feel like nothing's 100% in right. science. Well, <laughs> I mean, no. And, and it, uh, the one thing that's 100% is you learn a little bit more and you realize you don't really know that much about yeah. whatever it yeah, is that yeah, you're yeah. studying, right? Like, that's what always frustrates me when I was publishing papers. It's like you can never actually say, this is why. You say, this is likely why. This is probably why. You just say, anyway, they always criticize you if you make a very strong statement. Because it could be, the, it could, you know, you always say this is likely the case, but mm. which always frustrates me because I'm like, I think that's why, that's <laughs> why. But I have to say this is likely. I have to say, well, you know, describe it a little bit differently. So, well, um, have have you uh, been able to catch any of these strange fish in your new boat that we talked about last time? <laughs> I've hooked a tarpon. My son hooked a tarpon. We haven't got one to the to the boat out there and then um uh off a of bait it was funny take we start we were we were off the we saw him moving and we had a got real lucky had a live full bait and we got there and i i saw him cruising along the beach and it was like a little like a sandbar so i'm like let's go right for that sandbar we'll anchor up we threw a bait we threw out some bait and we saw a couple go by within 10 minutes he hooked up with one oh, nice. and we had it for like 10 minutes also and, and he lost it but then we went back to that same spot and then we could see tarpon coming and he hooks up with one it was a shark uh-huh. black tip shark i'm like what he does it again it was him and his buddy they kept going back and forth but we hooked three other sharks like a black tip um i think that one was a sandbar but what amazed me was like i'm seeing these like the water's clear i'm seeing these tarpon going by i'm like where are these sharks coming from like i'm not seeing sharks go by me i'm not seeing but they were so we only we hooked that one tarpon and then we got three big sharks like probably five six footers but it just amazed me, you know, you hear all the, the stuff, stuff about sharks, you know, attack, sharks coming back, a lot, a lot of population sharks going like this. Yes. Well, I saw it too. And what amazed me was I was, you know, because I'm up in the, up in the, where I was fishing off the stern, I'm constantly looking. Oh, here comes tarpon. And then the line goes out. But anyway, I just, 
I never even saw a shark until it was on the line. Or sneaky. But we definitely saw tarpon. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I thought it is in the keys or in the mine. I'd see him come across the flat. You know, we were probably like eight, ten feet of water. But anyway, I was just um. So we. But a lot of times, didn't get I, you know, the deeper the water, the bigger the fish needs to be for you to see it. Like so, if it's like a small, smaller black tip, like a three footer, in eight feet of water, you could easily mm-hmm. not see that. Three or four yeah. footer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And and even like when you're bone fishing, you know, if you get in two feet of water, you're not seeing the small fish that are on the bottom clearly. No, I mean, you know, if the if the light's perfect and everything, and you got you got height and visibility, but that's what I was learning in the Bahamas is like those Bahami Bahamian guides. They they would fish the deeper, deeper, deeper water. And he's like, if you see a fish here, it's a big one. He's like, mm-hmm. you could throw out there and you're probably going to hook one. And, and he's like, you try it, throw out there. And you would hook a small fish that you didn't see. And he knew that there were fish there, but we couldn't see them because we were fishing in three or four feet of water. And then when we actually did see one, that's, that's how he would hunt the, the biggest fish is fishing that deeper water because you could barely see them uh, in that deeper water. But the ones that you could see were, were really big. Um, it's interesting. And that may have been what was going on with the sharks. I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe yeah, the yeah, shark yeah, just yeah, stays yeah. away from yeah. the boat or comes in because of the scent of your, of your bait. But tarpon like that too. Tarpon have a good nose, real good nose. They'll, they'll come right in on a chum line. Sometimes. So that happened on a Saturday and then a Monday I took off work. Just like, this is, this is my day, right? So yeah. I went out there fly fishing, just me in the boat. I must've cast probably 50 to a hundred times. I never got a tarpon. Like I just, and I had a lot of daisy chaining fish. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll shoot on this side. But uh, have you had luck with that? Like, I didn't, I just, I never, I never got a bite all day. And I probably yeah. cast 50 to 100 times. Well, certainly over the years, we've had plenty of luck with the daisy chaining tarpon. But I will say that, um, you know, catching a fish on the ocean seems to have gotten harder and harder and harder. Um, I, we, we filmed a show where I was casting all day long. Rich is polling me. And, um, you know, I felt like I was doing a lot of things right, making really long casts and and you're fly fishing too, fly right? Fly fishing, right. yes, yeah, yeah, with yeah. with light tippet and um, you know small flies and small hooks and the right flies. Like I know that other people are catching fish on this these flies, um, and man, it was hard. In like three days, I think I got three bites, and okay. Uh, okay. I made a ton of casts. I mean, there was no shortage of fish. It was a fish are streaming down and it's really easy for a lot of people to be on the back of the boat um watching people fish and go man they're terrible if somebody if i had a caster we'd catch them but you know what i i feel like i'm i'm a caster and uh it's not it's not easy man it is it is really hard now of course you get you get a day you know two days might be really 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 incredibly hard and then one day they bite a little and and you get three or four bites maybe you catch three or four fish i don't know hopefully that's you know during a tournament <laughs> or when yeah, it counts yeah. or something but but i can tell you that um i was humbled really really humbled on the ocean there and uh i loved it i loved every minute of it it was really fun but whew, tough tough because even in miami I'd, I'd get i feel like i'd get one bite a day but this was that was years ago and it makes me feel better for you to say that because I'm out there by myself and I'm going crazy. Like 
Like, what if somebody else, would somebody else have caught a fish? Like, is it my fly? Yeah. Is it my line? Like, you always wonder those things. My you know? mind starts going crazy because I'm like, why am I not getting, I mean, just because I'm, I had fish all around me all day and I just could not get one to even look at it. So well, you start, you maybe this. I'm not sure you're alone and I'm not sure you're alone <laughs> in your frustration. I think that that, uh, that in the last couple of years, it seems to have been really, really tough to get them to bite. Now, you know, they're still, still catch them, you know, when it counts in the, in the tournaments, but you know, those are, those guys are the best of the best and they're, they're, they're fishing at exactly the right place at exactly the right time. And they're managing to get a couple of bites. But, you know, I would think that of any of the fishing that we do, the number of shots that you get in ratio to the number of bites that you get or fish caught tarpon fishing on the ocean is the most out of whack. You see so many fish and you get so few bites. Yeah. And yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's great fun because you're seeing these incredible creatures in shallow yeah, water and yeah, it's yeah, beautiful yeah. and it's clear and you know, they come by and they like wink at you. You can see it. Like you can see everything <laughs> about the fish, right? Like you can see their eyeball and, uh, and, and they're just, I don't know, man. They just seem like in some ways, some days, they just seem like all of them are just, just, just like not interested. It's like you're. I was frustrated because I'm interrupted, but like, so three days that Saturday, my son hooked one with a live bait in like 10 minutes. I'm like, these fish are going to eat. I, so Sunday we did nothing. Monday I went out with a fly and I'm like, how did my son get one in 10 minutes with a bait though? <laughs> and I'm out here all day casting, but it does make me feel better, Tom, because I was going, I actually didn't do it again. I just did some snook fishing and I'm like, I don't know. I was just so frustrated from the experience of spending all day casting. Yeah. Like my wrist hurt for, for days <laughs> just from casting that 12 weight, you know? So I know the feeling. Was, I know the feeling. But you know, on a side note, you know, when I saw you at iCast, and what's going in my mind is uh, the lithium batteries. Do you have lithium batteries yep, in your in sure your do. lithium pros? So, lithium pros. So I'm working. I think next year I want to upgrade my my batteries to lithium, and then they're supposed to last longer. You know, like my someone's asked me, do they ever blow up or anything like that? Are there any safety issues? Like, I, don't, I obviously I have to I, get a new charger, right? Yeah, I mean maybe your, your your charger might charge lithium batteries. A lot of times there's a there's a setting on the back of the charger that'll show you. You know, you, you move it here for AGM, you move it to this this setting for lithium or whatever. So you may need a new charger. You might not. The one that you have might work for it. You might just need to change manually change the settings on on the charger. But there are chargers for lithium batteries. I find that the biggest advantage of the lithium batteries for me is weight um, yeah, and size. Yeah. Right. So three 12 volt batteries for my for my trolling motor setup in the bow of my um, bay boat that's that i mean lead acid batteries that's heavy group 31s that's what i would always use i would always get the biggest ones and they wouldn't even fit in there sometimes i would have to get a different hinge set up for this little uh compartment that's in there for the batteries and and they were too tall so it wouldn't wouldn't close properly so we had to customize it so the hinges are up there closer and or higher and it would actually close but that's the only way to get them in there now with the with the lithiums you can put one that weighs i think the one battery weighs less than one of the than the lead lead acid batteries so you know you're losing two-thirds of the weight that you had and when you put that in a even in a bay boat in that strategic location, way up front, like the like the batteries are in my bay boat, 
um, that amount of weight loss there allows me to get up on plane better. It allow well, it allows oh, yeah, me to get yeah. up on the pad better. That would probably help me to get on plane better. Like when you, when you need somebody to sit on the bow for a second and you you jump yeah, up. So yeah, the weight yeah. the weight in the bow can help you for certain things, but then you know for for efficiency and running and getting bow lift, man, that weight you get that weight out of the bow and you can go a lot faster and, and run run smoother and more efficiently and save gas and all of those things. But and also longevity, right? Like you're. Like I go through barriers, at least my car. Like if I'm lucky, I make it five years. Yeah, but well, hopefully these lithium last. The lithium, I don't know, 10, the lithium are supposed to. They're they're supposed to last a, a lot longer, a lot longer. Um, and then you know they're also. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of advantages to lithium. You just need to look into it and see if it's a good fit for you. And uh, you know, certainly they've been they've been really uh, really beneficial for us and our fishing. We're able to. I mean, really, there's a there's been a lot of technological advantages now like the trolling motors pull less less amperage i believe than they used to the their chargers now like the power pole charger when we're running it's routing charge from the motor to the trolling motor batteries or to whichever batteries you know it's a smart charger so it'll route to the the battery that needs it the most or you could even set it up to where First of all, it's going to make sure that your starting battery is the priority, and that's going to go. It's going to route everything to the starting battery until it's full, and then it'll it'll, you know, that that charge will overflow into whatever is set is set as a secondary priority. So that would be the trolling motor batteries. So if you are if you catch bait in the morning and then you run for an hour to go fishing, you're back to full um, on your trolling motor batteries. Whereas before. Like if you had a hard morning catching bait and you're zipping in and out and you're going on high and you're throwing the cast net and the bait's hard to get and you know you might be you might have burned up two thirds of your battery by the time you get to a place that you're going to fish and now you got to fish very conservatively you know we can't really move around a lot because we're going to burn up the whole trolling motor and so you would end up fishing differently now man we're showing up no matter what we did on the bait catching we're showing up with a full charge. So you can do whatever you want to, and some of these new things, like the the uh, the batteries that that we have, actually you can you can have it um, show up on your GPS on on the Lawrence the GPS. It'll have a setting that you can set see how at this speed how many hours do you have left on okay. your battery. Okay. Well, well, so okay. it's like a fuel gauge for your battery, but okay. basically okay. if you're running it on high or you're 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 set in a in a position like you're you're just you just want to hold your position there like on anchor mode or whatever and it's say the current is pushing pretty hard and it's working pretty hard, it might say, "Well, you have three and a half hours left at this pace." If you just keep it just like it is right now, it'll last three and a half hours for it for it um, dies. And that is huge because before I was always wondering like and with the lead acid you could kind of you could kind of feel it like it wasn't you would pr- turn it on high and it just wasn't quite as as oh, didn't have yeah, the punch yeah, yeah, that yeah. it had before yeah. but with the with the lithium batteries now you don't notice that it goes high off uh, so when right? it dies, like, it dies. I got yes. you. It's and it's like it's like uh, performance. You know, and... like you got stuff around your around your house. You know, different different battery operated things that are operated with lithium battery now, and they they'll they'll run right up until they stop. Like I got one of those massager things that you know, like the um, what do they call that? Theragun, and you put the lithium battery in there, and you're you're using it on sore muscles, and it'll go on high right up until it just stops. 
and that's gotcha. how that's how gotcha. they work on your in your boat too. You don't feel the like uh, it's getting weak, and like that's how it used to work with the with the uh, lead acid batteries. And so you would kind of know like ah, uh, it's getting getting pretty weak. But now you can look at look at a gauge and know how much you how much you have left. It's it's really incredible. That's that's been a game changer for for that. Plus the you know the the power pole charger, so that say it says you have you have 30 minutes left and then you're like well we're going to take a long run and you get to your place and you you look at the battery again and it says well now you have four hours left it's like Yay. so what do you have a, i guess you have a so for your warren's gps you have a connection that goes your power pole charger that gives you that information uh this one is coming straight from the battery the battery so the battery has a type of wire it, that plugs it, it in has the back. an nmea connection so oh, okay, like okay. when you when you have your huh, the boats okay. basically these days have a, a backbone which is NMEA and you can uh, you can plug in all these different um, things to it and it'll pull information from it so you're okay. you're um, you know that's that's what it, the way it's supposed to be designed is that you'll have like this network of things that you could pull information from and yeah my, my GPS in the back has a plug that says NMEA yeah. so yeah I know what you're talking that's, about okay, that's okay. what it would okay. do so you could take that okay. you could probably if you didn't have an NMEA backbone connection all the way from your from you know throughout the boat you could probably just take a an NMEA wire and connect it from the battery straight to the to the uh, to the GPS and get that okay, information okay. right off the battery. So is that the future of boats? Meaning like I still have some gauges like for my battery, for my, my fuel, my RPM, but the future is like, all right, one big screen that has all your data. Could have your battery, could have your RPM, yeah. has your, your I think GPS, that is, I think that is the future, but, future. but sometimes that's not the best in my opinion. So that goes out, you're screwed, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> when but, it's but also like in a simple, a simple, um, uh, example is, you know, if you're a charter guide and you have a, a cast net in your hand and you're trying to tell your customer, Hey, I'm getting ready to throw on this bait and I need you to turn the live well on. Well, you know, not too long ago, it was pretty easy. You're like, it's the second switch on the left, flip it up, right? <laughs> or flip it down. Or it's uh -huh. the one that says uh -huh. live well, flip it yeah. down or flip it up, whatever on or off is. And it was very simple. They go over there and they, they flip that switch, your live well comes on. Now, sometimes it's, it's a couple of pushes across the menu, which is really difficult to tell someone how to do. And it's even more difficult when you've got the whole cast net in your hand and you're wet and you're trying to do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so it just takes a little, you just have to be ready in advance. But a lot of times, you know, you need, an, you need a light boat to get into the, to the shallow water so you don't have your live wells full on purpose, right? You're going to wait till the last second to fill the live wells so that you can get into this shallow water and get out oh, of the yeah, shallow so yeah, water yeah, 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 yeah. and or or maybe you're going to get in so shallow that you don't want to blow mud into the live wells so you leave them off on purpose and uh, uh, I guess, I guess. so sometimes you need help from other people and that's the mo that's the simplest way of like it's not always the best and so sometimes I'll override the the C zone system or or whatever with a custom switch. live well switch just I everything else so, runs on that, but the live well switch is is these two switches right here. Boom, boom. Yeah, That's, I didn't even think about that because I I'm everybody like my live well switches are they're all switches. That's it. I didn't even think about having your live well your communications like that on your screen. Yeah. 
Like it could I was be your like, yeah, bilge pump. The- it could be your nav lights. It could be any, everything and anything that you oh. that you um, you know flip a switch wow. now. Uh, it's is all now, now you could have it's now in here. Have so there's screen. a couple of advantages oh. to that. Like back in the day, before water, before the switches were really truly waterproof, we'd go through switches constantly. So the yeah. fewer number yeah, of switches yeah, yeah, yeah. that you could have, the better, right? Because gotcha. they were basically you knew whatever switch you got was going to break. Then they came out with like truly waterproof switches, and that was better. But still, there's tons of connections back behind it. You're in salt water. Lots of things can happen. You get corrosion all over the back of those switch, that whole switch panel. That goes to now one switch, one connection that's usually found in the console. It's much drier. It's much cleaner. Like there, there are big advantages to doing it that way. And there's also some things that aren't a, aren't an advantage, you know. And yeah, so yeah. I think the best, the best of the best is is like to know your boat so well and you're probably not going to on the first boat that you ever buy but to to realize like these are things that the way that i fish or the way that i run this boat this is the way i want it might not make sense to anybody else this is the way i want it and uh and that's the way it makes sense to you and that's the way you fish great more power to you that's that's the way you should have it you know yeah, which I kind of like, Mike. That switch is like, oh, I'm turning on the light, the, the, not the lights. It's a switch and all that. Yeah. So, that, yeah. And then that, that PowerPro charger that works on um, your Lithium Pro and your, like, is your starter battery Lithium Pro yes. too? Yeah, everything oh, we got is. I think I have an AGM battery for my starter. And then I have lead acid for my, like, house batteries. So, but anyway, you have to look into that because when I, I think I got another year of life. They're about four years old, my batteries. So I think I'll get. So I'd like to look into lithium. Yeah, do lithium definitely batteries. look into those. They they are. Uh, I think they're really good, and they have. I mean, you'll get so much more time out of your trolling motor, you know, and 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 feel pretty secure on your starting battery as well. Uh, and I just like the idea of reducing weight because sometimes, like my kids will bring their friends on the boat. And I get just feel the boat. Going, rrr, rrr, yeah. Rrr. So anyway, the more. I can reduce the weight. I'm just a fan of that. Or if I'm trailing it, it just it's a mental thing. Like, oh, it's uh, 80 pounds lighter. That's a whole, that's a kid, you know? Yeah, it is. So, that's a kid. So like, yeah, yeah. That's a kid. But, you know, you asked me about my, um, my superpower, breathing underwater, because um, I say that because on uh, Sunday, I'm going off my MM going lobstering. Oh, you are? So that's, that's one of my um, addictions that I've really missed. So um, now that I have a boat, now I can do it. So, yeah. Um, so, so did you hit mini season down. or is this going to be the first one I w- for you? I want to. I was at a, I was at, I had the country. I had to go to a, a, a wedding for my cousin. So I, so I missed it. I wish she planned it better around mini season. Right. But, but anyway, but I missed mini season. Um, but that, this is the first year I've had a boat during lobster season. Oh, you're going to have a fr- great time. And my kids have never done it. So I'm bringing my kids with me too. It's now, the greatest they, thing for kids, man. I, I love lobstering for kids. It's just fun. You know, the way that, the way that you do it, you, it, it's visual. You go down yeah. there, you're, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, physically yeah. active. You, yeah. you scoop them up. You know, it's not that easy to scoop them up. You got, you, yeah. you know, you got to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to really kind of finesse it a little bit. And, uh, and then there's a reward. There's this huge reward at the end of a lobster dinner. So it reminds me of like an Easter egg hunt. Like I'm eight years old again. I'm doing an Easter egg hunt, mm-hmm. you know, like where, where yep. are the eggs? Although these eggs could get away, right? They could sneak away or disappear in the cloud or whatever. I need the rock or but uh, for but sure, yeah, I can't can. wait. I'm excited well, about be that. Be careful out there. A lot of yeah. a lot of craziness around the the lobsters, but uh, 
you know, done properly. It's a super fun thing for, for the whole family. Yeah. Uh, I told my kids, like, I don't care about sharks. I care about boats. Your biggest risk is a boat Just stay no by the boat. And dive flag up. Don't worry about sharks. Don't worry about jellyfish. Don't worry about eels. Worry about boats. That's, yeah. that's the danger there. And I think, unfortunately, I think everyone, a person dies every year in the keys. From, yeah. And then, from you know, to stay close, stay close to your boat. Like, yeah. you know, like yeah. as you're, as you're doing this for the first time out of the boat, man, keep people, keep people right, you know, right by the boat. You anchor up right, right next to where you want a lobster and yeah. stay close to the boat and yeah. don't get yeah. way away. Cause that, you know, a lot of times, you know, there are a lot of boats, but a lot of times, you know, the, the, the fault in an accident comes from the diver, you know, getting way too far away from the, way too far away from the boat. Um, and so both parties have to be, you know, uh, responsible, you know, the diver has to stay close to the boat and then the boaters need to, when they see people with dive flags, they need to expect, you know, that, you know, not way I'm too far away from those guys expect that there's going to be someone in the water next to you. So slow down or be careful or whatever. But anyway, um, well, man, I really appreciate uh, you coming on today and telling us all about these weird fish. Um, I learned sure. I learned quite a bit. Sure, anytime, Tom, and I'll keep hitting you up for more ideas. For okay. These are fun. All right, <laughs> sounds good, man. Well, you have a great afternoon, and uh, anytime you got another podcast, another podcast idea, Mike, let us know. We'd love to have you on. You're uh, definitely been one of our most popular guests, and, and people will like this one too, I'm sure. Great. Thanks, Tom. All right, thank you. See you.